there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. I think perhaps this is too light for me, Moraine murmured as a tall yellow-haired girl in green with a square-cut neckline that displayed too much cleavage draped sky-blue silk over her. I was thinking the Kyrianan styles, without house colors or embroidery, she said. She could never wear damaged colors inside the tower. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalon, a Wheel of Time podcast. The trailer for the Wheel of Time series has dropped. And at this point, everyone's been through it and they've done this and mm-hmm. they've done that. And so... I know I've watched about 80 reaction videos myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. Exactly. But we... We decided to approach this in a very road to Tarvalin way and dig into potential connections between the Wheel of Time world and ours. The wardrobe a person chooses or has chosen for them can speak volumes and Jordan is not known to mince words when it comes to clothing descriptions and with good reason. The power of clothing is used throughout the centuries. Something worked into art, literature, military uniforms, TV shows. In this case, you are what you wear is more than just a pithy statement. There are some small or maybe large changes from the books, depending on who you ask. So we're going to look at some of them, talk a little bit about the possible costume inspiration, and just discuss the new look. Mm-hmm. After watching the teaser trailer and deciding on this topic, a little Google search brought up an article about the costume designer and I think I love her, from CBR.com. I mean, seriously, this is this was in this article that I picked up. The costume designer for the series, Isis Musundin, explained how the frequently matriarchal cultures described in the source books influenced the way the women dress. These are not just a bunch of princesses swanning around in pretty dresses, she said. These are women doing jobs. They're taking care of the governance. They're taking care of healing. With this in mind, I would say she nailed it. We were only given a small taste of what's to come, but what we have seen is exciting for many, many reasons. To have a costume designer with this intention makes my heart so happy. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think we should go ahead and jump into our first still. Yes. And it's this, oh my gosh, this beautiful close-up on Swan Sanche on the Amerlin seat, and yeah. she is decked out. Yeah. Looking fabulous. I love it. When we first saw this last week, is it really only a week? Yeah, it was last Thursday. Damn, it's only been a week. Depending on when this comes out, though, it'll be closer to two weeks. That's true. That's true. We're always we're always a week behind and that's fine because we bring something (laughs) totally us. It's okay. So first thoughts on this moment. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go first? Yeah, it's iconic. It's not necessarily what I expected from Mm -mm. Swan Sanche, Mm -mm. but it's incredibly, incredibly regal. And when you started talking about Elizabeth I, I was looking online for photos 
And I came across this photo of Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. when she's playing Elizabeth the first. Mm-hmm. And the similarities are crazy when you look at just the way that the throne behind her is kind of shaped. The design. The cut yep. works kind of you've got a lot of V's going mm-hmm. on. Upward motion. It is. That's exactly what it is. Upward mm-hmm. motion. And mm-hmm. it's just great. So you mm-hmm. get this really regal sense about Swan. And yeah, she looks amazing. It's not what I expected, though. No, I loved it. It was so opposite of my head canon. I don't really have fully formed ideas of how everyone looks and like what the clothing and everything mm-hmm. looks like. But I feel like I have a loose idea around it and seeing swan where that was just like oh it was so good so my first thought on seeing swan in this outfit is also elizabeth the first i think the connection is really easy to make especially when you take into consideration that collar that she wears elizabeth the first is kind of infamous for having that collar style so of course elizabeth the first is the daughter of henry the eighth who has this incredibly intimidating silhouette it doesn't hurt that the man became incredibly obese as he got older and just had a very large presence altogether. but elizabeth is slender and tall, almost wispy in appearance, if you will. So the use of things like this, like these big collars, these giant puffy sleeves, like this gives her a layer of dominance almost. Exactly. So what I love that they use kind of the same thing for Swan and like having that upward motion with having the stole be a collar almost, if you will. It just Mm -hmm. gives like an extra air of regalness. I really like these fins that kind of come up from the sleeves. It's great. Is this by any chance like a Tyrion style dress? It could be. We can't say because what she would have worn in Tyr is nothing like this. That's true. That's true. This is is a different class system, I would feel like. Absolutely. Daughter of a fisherman to sitting here in this regal Omerlin seat looking fierce. (laughs) Yeah. The quote from earlier from is from New Spring. It's from the, the shopping trip that swan Mm -hmm. and moraine take and i think we're probably going to dip into that more a little bit later yeah yeah but swan's like i want sensible dresses and then you see her in this and you're like there's nothing sensible about that but Mm -mm. it does fit her position which is exactly what she needs to to do with her wardrobe yeah she's very commanding absolutely i spot on i love it it. yeah Mm -hmm. so the other thing about the rainbow portrait which is this one too I think when you're looking at the far right and Amber was really good and like did some, some (laughs) zooming in. Yeah. 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 And you may want to explain it just a little bit for people who aren't watching on video. Oh yeah. Thank you. Okay. So this particular gown, what I think is really interesting about it is Elizabeth wrote about it. And so I'm just going to use her words to express it. And then I'll kind of dig into what she's wearing and what makes it to me, connected to Swan Sanche in a big way. So Elizabeth wrote to one of her courtiers, the rainbow portrait is a policy proclamation bringing the good tidings of a golden age empire under Anglican England's world leadership to be based not on war, but on strength, peace, compassion, and a vigilant use of knowledge, science, intelligence, espionage, and secrecy. This 
kills me because it just feels so contradictory. But that is exactly mm -hmm. what she's putting into her wardrobe at this point. So she's wearing this very luxurious dress and she has this mantle kind of draped over her. And I, I actually watched a couple like documentaries about this particular portrait mm -hmm. yesterday. And it is believed that artisans hand painted little eyes and mouths and ears all over this mantle. And the idea being- I see you, I hear you. <laughs> and you better keep your mouth shut because I'll mm -hmm. find out if you don't. This is very much her telling the world or anyone who sees this portrait, I hear you. I have eyes and ears everywhere and they report to me. And I love that. Like in the series, we know that the Ajas all have their own eyes and ears networks and Swan was the head but of the blue, blue Aja. But the blue Aja is... Like kind of on the, steroids with it yeah yeah there's a, there's is like the best of the best um mm -hmm. and swan had been the head of that before she became amarillan's seat so to connect her to elizabeth the first like a reigning monarch through history who actually used the tactic of espionage to heighten her level of power mm -hmm. I think that it's a really fantastic connection to make. It is. It's really great. And I love it. I think yeah. it's what we know about Robert Jordan and how much he was into history and mythology and bits and pieces of all different kinds of literature. Mm -hmm. I feel like this might be something that he looked at or saw a picture and he was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the connection is so strong. <laughs> I wasn't going to include this, but since you brought it up, okay. I, I think, I feel like we're doing Jordan's work. We're extending into the world of history, which is a place that I feel as though had I been able to hang out with Robert Jordan, we would have had a great time. But this was like, this was part of Elizabeth's tactic when it came to ruling. And this was written by Francis Bacon in the discourse touching intelligence and the safety of the queen's person like a manuscript maybe yeah yeah it's like the prince so like when Machiavelli wrote the prince it's basically like a here these are the things that you could do and then they become like books and pamphlets and whatnot anyway so he urged Francis Bacon urged the Privy Council of Elizabeth to sow an opinion abroad that her majesty hath much secret intelligence and that all is full of spies and false brethren Jordan read that and was like oh my gosh the white tower I found it. I don't know. I feel as though one of the things that Jordan teaches us is don't trust anyone. And this, this is true. Yeah. And we know within the tower, each Aja has their own set of eyes and ears. Yeah. So there is this little bit of a schism between the Ajas where they're all getting their own personal mm -hmm. information from different sources. Exactly. And we don't know what each Aja mm -hmm. does with mm -hmm. this information. So yes. secrecy is, yeah, there's secrecy in the tower for sure. And I love that. And I really, I just, just real quick before we move on, I need to thank Dr. Deborah Bauer, one of my very favorite history professors from when I got my degree and also a very dear friend for sending me the chapter that she did on the rainbow portrait because it's one of the things that she teaches in her espionage class. Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, yeah. She's so fun to talk to, as you can imagine. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so now we've got this overhead shot of the Hall of the Tower, and I've zoomed in here on Swan Sanchez's 
train. Right. It's kind of like a cape mm-hmm. and it's kind of flowed out behind her. It's gold and it's kind of like winged out. It looks really luxurious. It does. And in this photo, it looks like an illustration, something oh that would God. be in a book. And I'm it. almost wondering if this will be a part of the opening sequence, mm. like the actual intro to the show. So I'm curious yeah. where this is coming from, but I like mm-hmm. it. I love it. For this particular image, two things pop to mind. Please, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring up Elizabeth the first again. So, <laughs> but this time I'm thinking of her coronation portrait and I'm thinking of a portrait by Jan van Eyck. The thing that I, I want to kind of center in on with this is taking us out of a modern perspective of how clothing is made with a lot of automated features and mechanical features, everything in the wheel of time, consider it to be made by hand. And so if you think about the hours, days, weeks, that definitely went into making that long excessive train for Mm -hmm. the Amarillo seat, it's power, it's wealth, it's a statement in and of itself. The White Tower has deep pockets, support city, they have taxing going on. Yep. Everyone from many different cultures are there to trade. The White Tower has money. Yeah. And the Amarlin seat can show this with this garment. Exactly. It does show power. It does I, show wealth. I love it. Um, the Arnolfini portrait that I like was thinking of shows the woman holding up just like extra yards of fabric. And it's basically a way of showing we have wealth and power and I get to just sit around and do what I what I want all day because I don't need to go do other things. And that's that's what this says is I am I am devoted here to the tower. I stay here. It's I don't know, clothing and whatnot can say so much. And when we see a train like this on a dress or on a cape it tends to get a response out of me that it's something ceremonial. Mm, So like this is not something she's going to be wearing every day, but when Mm -hmm. she calls all the sitters to the hall of the tower, she's Mm going to be decked out. Yeah, no, good point. Good point. Like you don't show up to something like that Mm -hmm. wearing your, your ratty jeans and favorite Mm -hmm. hoodie, you know, that's not, that's not how you show up. So I, I love this. I love this aerial shot. It's so fun. Then we have her stole, Mm -hmm. which I believe is a big difference from the books. Mm -hmm. And from the wheelofTimefandom.com, I pulled this quote. It is a long strip of silk about a hand wide that the Amarlin wears over her dress that traditionally contains seven bands of colors, one for each Aja. And it's kind of like this little rainbow scarf mm-hmm. in this illustration. And I believe this is an illustration from the New Spring comic of mm. Tamara Ospenya. This is much different than what we saw mm-hmm. in our first photo. Her stole is more like a collar now, mm-hmm. but I think they've done it really well. If it was this shawl type stole Mm -hmm. it might have looked a little matronly a little old-fashioned yeah and i like the changes i do too i think that this versus that attention grabbing height 
that the stole gets this on the outfit that she was wearing would maybe look a little cheap yeah it would it would it would be like why are you wearing this luxurious gown with a scarf over it right yeah yeah (laughs) exactly it's like wearing Mm -hmm. a formal while putting on like a chunky scarf over the top yeah being like Mm -hmm. (laughs) ta-da We have her non-formal attire, which we only get to see a very small, short clip of her. Yep. And she's wearing something that's a little bit more high-necked. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. buttons mm-hmm. are, they look hand-sewn. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like a linen, but it could be silk. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I like being able to look at it a little bit closer to see that the collar looks really nice. If that makes yeah. sense, the like stitching. this still, yeah, this still looks like a quality piece of clothing, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering because this is the moment, isn't in the trailer where she says something like the shadow is coming or the dark one is coming mm-hmm. and blah blah blah, something along those lines. I would say, like, I'm wondering, is she talking to Moraine? Like, who I've is seen she talking to? Point out that the earrings of the person that she's talking to look similar yeah. to what Nynaeve is wearing. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay, I know we're not doing like theories Conjecture. around the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm just. I don't. I don't want to get into it. It's potentially a spoiler. So, just just an observation. Mm-hmm. I'll share later. But this is something that I would picture Swan Sanche wearing. This. Mm-hmm. Color is like an ecru kind of yep. olivey green. It mm-hmm. looks really nice, mm-hmm. but it's not flashy. Mm-mm. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's this is what I see Swan wearing. Yeah, you know. Oh, other observation: it is not blue. No, it is not. So the Amerlin does not wear Aja colors because she's of all Ajas. I guess, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Huh. I know we have, I mean, that image that you just showed of Tamara, she's wearing all blue raised from the blue. Mm-hmm. So that is actually pretty common to keep the colors of your Aja once you become Amaralyn. So it's interesting that she's not wearing blue. We'll I know have we're going to talk about the we'll Aja. We'll have to see, yeah, how they, what other outfits she's wearing mm-hmm. when the show hits. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, okay. We have crazy formal Amerlin and mm-hmm. cozy Amerlin. Yeah. I like it. And next we have Leanne or Liane, if that's how you pronounce it, looking fierce. She's mm. got a very low cut dress that goes yeah. across under the shoulders. So yeah. something you would have to wear a strapless bra with. There's right? no sleeve. Yeah. Or kind of maybe on the lower half. And she's holding like a scepter. And she's kind of telling everyone, like, hush, hush. And I zoomed in here on another mm-hmm. still where you can actually see her full outfit. Yeah. It's a bit blurry, but I love how they have her hair pulled back. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the sleeves that come down, like, under her shoulders have kind of, mm-hmm. like, a bell-shaped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing this is a Damani style. Mm-hmm. And what we know from the books in the beginning, she typically doesn't go full out Damani. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, um, I would say, a little bit more risque, I guess, just because she's so showing so much skin on top. Yeah. She looks yeah. great. The actress looks Absolutely. amazing. Oh, my gosh. She's so cool. 
I started yeah. following her Instagram account, and I'm like, damn, intimidated by your level of cool. <laughs> right? And she's on her mm. other series that she works on. She does a lot of martial arts. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious if she's going to be kicking butt here on the Wheel of Time. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. But mm-hmm. I think she's probably going to have to change outfits first. This just yeah. doesn't look like it has a lot of mobility to it. Like, no. how does she even lift her arms in that? Anyway, well, I did notice when we were going through, like, the photos of everyone, she's the only one in that photo that is wearing that style of dress that I saw. So, and the color is not mm-hmm. blue. Mm-mm. No. So, so again, the keeper, the keeper of the Chronicles is not wearing her Aja color, nor is Swan Sanche. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. I mean, it's almost like an olivey gray greenish color. I don't even know what you would call that color. Gosh darn it. I it's, it's love in between, that face. Yeah, it's in between like a cream, a gold, and a gray yeah, but it looks they like were it like, might have a little swirl, shine to it. Mm-hmm. Just swirl the rainbow together, and whatever color comes out, just make that my dress. That's yeah. that's the keeper and and the Amarillo when they go dress shopping. Ooh, I love this photo. So now we've got the full Isodai group shot in the Hall of the Tower, where everyone is facing. Kind of not everyone, but there's circled around. Everyone has their own chairs, and then there's a group. In front, it looks like Leandrin, Moraine, and Alana. Is that who that green is? I think so. Standing in front of the Amerlin seat. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of different fabrics, Mm -hmm. linens, maybe wools, possibly silk. Mm -hmm. But I do know that in the Wheel of Time world, silk is probably very expensive and Mm -hmm. a way to show your class Mm-hmm. Because all the silk comes from Shara. So mm. that's not even on the main continent, I guess. Yeah, it's not even recognized on the, the map, maps. basically. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's a land of mystery. If we go in a little bit further, I've zoomed in here. And I'm seeing some possible religious influence on some of these outfits Definitely. One of the red sisters kind of here onto the side mm-hmm. has a headdress on. Mm-hmm. And in this photo, it looks very similar to like the Orthodox Christian mm-hmm. headgear that the Cath- or that the East and Eastern Catholic monks wear. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could be just the scarf, and I think it is a scarf, but the way that it's fastened around her head kind of has this conical shape to it. Mm-hmm. And I really, really love this actress's costume in general. Every time I look at her, I think of the girl with the pearl earring, just the way that this is kind of like, it's almost like a bit of a turban, Mm -hmm. but it's really, really cool. And then Mm -hmm. also it's kind of got these draped, it looks like it's draped over the side and it kind of feels religious. Mm -hmm. And then we also have here a gray Aja sister and she's wearing a full headdress that looks very very similar to a nun's habit which is really interesting because I didn't expect to look at these photos and the ceremony feels 
religious in a way. Some of these Aja members wearing this cut of fabric that goes right over the shoulders and it's kind of square shaped like a bib only mirrored in the same cut in the back. So it kind of gives this boxy square shape. And again, this is something worn by nuns and monks. And I think it's really interesting that this was the fashion choice, I guess. Mm -hmm. In religious terms, it's called a scapular. And this is different than a devotional scapular, which is kind of like jewelry almost. You wear it as like a... Mm -hmm. You can put it around your neck, but this is an actual like piece of chunky fabric. And it just looks really interesting. It's almost got kind of a sci-fi vibe Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. And I like it. I don't want it to feel like medieval fantasy. And this is something totally different. It's giving me like (laughs) futuristic nuns in space. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I wanted to point out is... On this image here, the green that's off to the left, mm-hmm. and then behind Moraine, there is a brown also. Mm-hmm. These are very similar. Like, yeah. the style of these two dresses is very similar. And I feel as though one of the things that people were talking about or were asking was, will we see similar styles just in different colors for the Ajas? And I think this, and I mean, in the big group photo, really there are other places. it. I think because so. This brown uh brown sister and this green sister are wearing a very, very similar very. outfit. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. fabric looks maybe like a wool, and they both have this chunky, almost it looks like leather belt, belt. around their center. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. cut is the same. So I'm just wondering maybe these two sisters are from the same like region city or region. Mm-hmm. So the styles might be similar. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We can we can, we can speculate for yeah. ages. One <laughs> yeah. of the other things that I wanted to point out about the red sister that you had highlighted earlier, and she's in this still. Yes, I found a medieval headdress called a henin, and it does. It has the same structure where it's like conical and wrapped with a veil. And a lot okay. of times, it can be that weird medieval dual horn. Um, yeah, look yeah. In the big I know what comb. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that that was kind of like, I feel as though that that pulls into that. It's almost a blend of that with the girl with the pearl earring with yeah. the orthodox. Like there's so yeah. much in it. It's just so fun. I love it. I there love also it. is this topic of color coordination. So it's kind of interesting to see how they've done it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not 100% sure how I feel about it, but... We are kind of seeing in the trailer these sisters performing different tasks. They're not Mm -hmm. really like lounging around. So Mm -hmm. I would assume when they're in the tower just hanging out, they probably wouldn't be done up like this. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. We will see. This is probably a bit more (laughs) of a formal occasion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. But I don't see any shaws. Mm -mm. And the next thing that I noticed is the ring. So the serpent ring is chonky. I don't it's like very it. very big. <laughs> I don't like it. It seems ridiculous. I I'm mean, not sure how I feel about it, but I understand if you want to show like, oh, hey, they're an Aes Sedai because they're wearing the ring. Yep. Maybe they want something bigger that the camera can pick up easier. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a zoom in on right. the hand. Yeah. 
But I mean, from a practical purpose. Yeah. Yeah. From this a practical is just purpose. Stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. Like the Especially profile on that ring is just fucking ridiculous. It's mass- it's just ridiculous. Sorry. It's massive. It and is massive. I can almost see like if it were me, I'd be trying to do something with my hand, like oh, making weaves, and then like getting. I would get all tangled. Yeah, exactly. Like I have my wedding ring isn't massive, like it's not huge, but it has enough of a profile to it that I take it off all the time because mm-hmm. it just annoys me, and I just. Maybe they can channel the annoyance away. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to because, and I mean, seriously, this is my only gripe with the Aja outfits, so I don't feel too bad about it. But at the same time, that golden serpent ring is so, it's so Wheel of Time, and I hate that they did this. It's almost like the jewel in the center, like the colored jewel is more of a focus than the serpent. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but... And maybe this is just a commercial thing, like, they want oh, yeah. people to buy their stuff, like, buy, 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 consume, you want these rings, and I'm not True. gonna lie, like, it would be cool to have, but just from someone who doesn't wear a lot of jewelry. I know, right? I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would never wear a ring mm-hmm. with that high of a profile on it. I just would not. It's, it's impractical. Okay, so moving on, you wanted to talk about the agelessness. I did, and I'm I'm actually really excited about this because we have, like, we've talked about, obviously, The Wheel of Time mm-hmm. a few different episodes, I'm pretty sure. Um, but one of the discussions that we had had was how will they show that the women are Aes Sedai if they don't give them that ageless feature? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I believe you confirmed for me last week, and this has probably been confirmed for a while. They're not going to do that. And I'm really happy about it. But one of the things that they did, and this was in the trailer, and I was so excited about it, is they have Moraine walking in, holding onto her hood, and getting ready to pull it back, and you see her ring. And when we were talking about it initially, we were like, how are they going to show it if they don't do the agelessness? And I was like, well, you know, a ring is on your hand anytime you go to lift your hood or adjust your hair. I remember that episode where you talked about it, when you were saying, we just need this opening shot of her mm-hmm. pulling up a hood or taking the hood of her cloak down and, and that's what we got trailer. <laughs> you in did it trailer. Tracy you should have made a bingo card <laughs> you should, thank you for listening to me again I appreciate it <laughs> but yeah that was one that was one of the things that I I just had like this moment of yes over that and then I also really appreciate the fact that they're not doing the agelessness I think one of the things that happens far too often in TV shows and movies, Mm -hmm. you only get like one age for women, maybe two, really young, really old, but anywhere in between. And it's like women have kind of gotten dropped, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're between 40 and 50, you don't really see those women in media like this. They always get cast as a mother or. Yeah. But someone of power, very rarely. So I did check in. Sophie Okan is it Okanito or Okanado? Do you know? Not quite sure. But. Okay. Either way, she's fifty-three, so she's over fifty, and I'm fairly certain Rosamund Pike isn't much older than I am. I don't really know for sure, but I love seeing women with age and maturity mm-hmm. being the women that come in and kind of exert control and power 
And that just feels better than someone who looks like they're maybe 20, maybe 40, because you know what they would have done. They would have cast a bunch of 20-year-olds. Yeah. And I would have been really, 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 really sad. (laughs) Really sad. I think it's nice because if they had done the ageless face, Mm -hmm. everyone in the tower would have looked like they're the same age. Yep. And it would be hard to tell who has rank maybe or seniority and I know the tower doesn't necessarily go by age they go Mm -hmm. by strength and the one power but you are going to be able to kind of piece out who's been there the longest and Mm -hmm. it'll kind of give you visual clues of like okay if this person is speaking maybe I should pay attention yes yeah so I I'm actually really appreciate the fact that we're going to have women with a little bit of age to them it just makes me real happy Do we want to move on to, there's another close-up of the big ring, to the Red Aja? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we have got, (laughs) I love this (laughs) photo so much. We've got four members of the Red Aja all lined up in a wooded area, and they just look like proud peacocks. The outfits are very bright, and from Mm. this viewpoint, of moraine that we get in new spring Mm -hmm. kind of scandalous like this color draws too much attention she gives us this quote her brocaded dress was not a muted red or a faint red but a bright hue as though she were screaming her aja to the world (laughs) her cloak lined with black fur was exactly the same shade a color fit for a tinker's wagon moraine thought And that's from chapter five in New Spring. But when we look at these Red Aja sisters, there's so much pomp and it's so flashy. And I kind of had this similar reaction that Maureen had in New Spring, where I'm looking at this color and I'm like, whoa, that is crazy bright. Mm -hmm. Wow. But especially because it's kind of standing out in this forested background. Yeah. So You're not going to miss them. Right. If you've got this kind of green earth-toned background and the red Aja members up front, it's the actual like opposite of camouflage. And it kind of just screams like, we are here and we're hey. the red Aja. And it kind of has this psychological effect too because it's not quite red red. It almost has a bit of a rose tint to it, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. But it really kind of commands authority and you can even see it by their stance kind of Mm -hmm. hands on the hips and someone that I follow on Twitter Michael T. Johnson pointed out that the red Aja costumes look militaristic and I would have to agree because Mm -hmm. the cut kind of feels a bit like a naval jacket or Mm -hmm. something to that effect and it's interesting because these days, red is not a color you would ever see on a battlefield. A color mm-hmm. like this would make you a target. Mm-hmm. So red military uniforms in current time are, for the most part, ceremonial. <laughs> yes. And we do see Commonwealth nations still wearing the red formal military attire. The Queen's Guard still wears it. And there's something about looking at a line of people wearing red and a bright red, it draws the eye and it makes a statement. If you just look up any pictures of the Queen's Guard, like they, it's a psychological effect seeing someone standing there, like stick straight and Mm -hmm. 
chin out commanding this like mm-hmm. grandiose mm-hmm. aura i guess and this is one of my favorite examples it's the beijing this. women's militia and red formal outfits in military you can also see a lot of in parades mm-hmm. and their militia is also known as the clang roses and they have one of the most eye-catching formal uniforms I have ever seen in my life. I'd it's wear that. This, it's this rose, bright rose red outfit, complete with a short skirt and then yep. high-heeled white boots. Yep. And it definitely stands out. Yeah. And they're all carrying guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love these hats that they have, like mm-hmm. the brim and everything to them. And they, they definitely have that... That's super, what is it, epaulets? Is that what they're called? When it's up on your shoulder and you put like Rankin stuff on it? I don't know. I was also thinking of like uh, the Red Guard in Russia after the Civil War of the early 20th century Mm -hmm. and just how often red is used as a military color. It's it's like you said, it's psychological. It is. And during our times now, it's more of a formal dress Mm -hmm. attire. This is not Mm -hmm. something you'll see on the battlefield. But during the Revolutionary War, the British wore red uniforms, and it almost seems counterintuitive when you think about it. I love this image. Yeah, because you're thinking, okay, these people are just sitting ducks. They're just Mm -hmm. waiting to get shot at in these bright Mm -hmm. red uniforms. So Back in this era, it was more battle with volley fire. So one side would shoot, reload, the the other other side side would shoot, shoot, reload. And you would have plumes of smoke on the battlefield. So this Mm -hmm. bright red color would really make you be able to find your way through the chaos and the debris, I guess. Mm -hmm. Especially when fighting against an opposite group in the American Revolution, you're fighting against men who very rarely had any form of training. Training, but also uniform. Yeah. Like they couldn't, it was they kind really of a, couldn't afford it. It was kind of a mishmash hodgepodge of whatever very they much. could find. Yeah. And I'm assuming if you would see this big force all in mm-hmm. red marching to you, like this would be something that would scare you. Oh, yeah. And after kind of looking through some of these photos, it's interesting how red formal military attire has evolved throughout the ages. Oh my gosh, yeah. And as soon as this type of volley fire became obsolete, so did red uniforms on the battlefield. Makes sense. And when I, and when I think about all of this cinematically, I'm getting some really interesting ideas about how they could shoot some of these scenes with the red Aja because we've seen in the trailer they are definitely involved in what looks like some battles. Yes. And we don't know exactly what their role is. Maybe they're acting more of like a bounty hunter versus <laughs> a military member or kind of like a jailer. Mm-hmm. But I can picture in my head a big battle going on maybe in this forest the one power is being used. Mm-hmm. Maybe lightning strikes are coming down, trees on fire, debris flying everywhere, smoke in the air. And then you could get this really cool kind of mm-hmm. shot of these red Aja sisters kind of like coming through the smoke. And I, I think it see would just, it. 
You see it? Okay. I see it. I see it. I love it. I just think there's some cool potential for oh, absolutely. the Red Aja. And the outfits are great. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see how much of the Red Aja is used in a military sense. Yeah. Or if they're kind of waiting on the battlefield and letting the Greens do the fighting. It's going to be interesting. interesting how they portray Ooh. it. And speaking like they of rush the greens. In, they rush in <laughs> after the greens have done their thing. I, I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say one last thing about red as a uniform option or yeah. an Aja color option. If you wear red, mm-hmm. obviously you are visible, which in some ways means you don't care. Exactly. That you are visible because you feel powerful enough to own that color and wear it into battle. Right. And like, it's a target. And exactly. saying I don't care about being a target makes yep. you formidable. Exactly. Formidable. Um, <laughs> that's for you, Santi. Um, he can make fun of me for saying that later. Yeah, let's move on to the greens because, again, did Amazon Prime listen to our, our podcast? <laughs> Did they listen? Did they know how angry we were about the battle Aja just hanging out inside the tower doing jack shit? This, this is what I want to see in the green Aja right here. Mm. I love, I love the outfits. I love the hairstyle on Alana. I've got the screen slide open to where she's using her hands and you can Mm -hmm. see the weaves forming between her palms. We've got a warder in the background with a bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. And she's wearing a similar cut jacket that kind of looks military in sense. And then Mm -hmm. she has chains hanging from each side, gold chains. And it's kind of like a breastplate effect. Mm -hmm. And I noticed there's seven chains for each of one of the Ajas. Oh, interesting. And she looks great. I love the belt. Yep. And I think this is going to be pretty cool. And I do like that this green is a bit muted. So yeah. there yeah. is kind of a camouflage effect going on here yep. with the battle Aja. And she's wearing pants, breeches, leggings. This is not... She's got high boots on to about the knee. And yeah. it looks like breaches underneath this long coat that's belted it actually looks like my fall outfit from the back most of the time (laughs) that's my favorite i love this i love this Oof! i love this so we have one two three greens three reds some mortars, some had, horses, we have warders, some we arrows. Have swords, we have axes, we have arrows descending. And did you say that's Lana? Is that what who she's supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. So you can see that she's like pulled her weaves and she's getting ready to use them as these arrows are descending down on them. I think this is such a good shot. Should we move on to Moraine? Oh my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> okay. Is this what you expected from Moraine? This this first still is her coming out of the Hall of the Tower. Everyone's kind of looking at her. We've got the shoulder pads, kind of a in-between royal blue and navy blue color. She's wearing her Kisiera. Mm-hmm. She looks fabulous. I fabulous. do not see any embroidery. 
Mm-mm. which we know Moraine is not She's a big not fan a fan. of. Nope. Mm-hmm. We do have this quote about her from the books. Uh-huh. And this comes from Eye of the World when she is first introduced. And her cloak was sky blue velvet with thick silver embroidery, leaves, vines, and flowers all along the edges. Her dress gleamed faintly as she moved a darker blue than the cloak and slashed with cream. A necklace of heavy gold links hung around her neck while another gold chain, delicate and fastened in her hair, supported a small sparkling blue stone in the middle of her forehead. So we know in New Spring, she pushed the embroidery aside. She didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And it now looks like from the time between New Spring to the eye of the world, she's a little bit more okay with the embroidery, possibly. It's either that or she pissed off the seamstress. I was going to say, or the seamstress. Yeah. Tamar was like, oh, you're going somewhere. Sky mm-hmm. blue? You got yeah. it. Lots of embroidery? No problem. Mm-hmm. That's That's how I feel about that. Like, Mm -hmm. either Moraine has had a change of heart, or she needed stuff quick, and her seamstress in Tarvalon (laughs) was like, sorry, this is what you get. Because, I mean, let's face it, that sky blue velvet is just not practical. Like, it makes a really pretty mental image that that's how she's dressed. But the way we get to know Moraine, it just doesn't feel like her, you know? The image that's up right now, this Ariel Burgess drawing, this is... Like, my headcanon for Moraine. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is what I see when I think of her, is is this. And it's much more medieval-looking than what we get in the trailer. This is why I'm a fan of not so much embroidery, because when you see a lot of embroidery, it has kind of a callback to medieval-era costuming. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a smart choice to kind of have it minimal yeah Mm -hmm. pull it back a little bit yeah I'm very happy with that decision I know Mm -hmm. that some people were expecting something different and I understand why they would be kind of upset about it when you really think like this is how Moraine looks it's how she's described in the books yep but we're kind of pulling away from this medieval fantasy I actually think type style So looking at this image of Moraine from the trailer, I think this is the Moraine Robert Jordan wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like we've talked about so often how Eye of the World doesn't feel as much like the other novels. Like it's almost it's almost too spoon fed in some ways and Mm -hmm. almost too close to the Shire, if you will, in some ways. And I feel as though as the books develop, as Jordan's writing develops and the characters develop, we see Moraine as this practical, headstrong, determined individual. I don't see her showing up in Emmons Field covered in sky blue velvet and embroidery. I see her like this Moraine, the Moraine that comes in with the dark blue and the Mm -hmm. practical outfit that already looks completely travel stained. This is the Moraine I expect to see. So I'm thrilled with this. This this actually in some ways allows me to have both of the headcanons that I want to have. It is a nice mix. Even the cut of her mm-hmm. blouse has yeah. kind of this it doesn't feel so sci-fi. It does feel a little bit like pulling 
back in time a little bit, but then how it's combined with the jewelry and the boots, Mm -hmm. it kind of brings it up to date. And I like that. I do too. I do too. (laughs) We have this quote from New Spring, and this is such a awesome chapter. It's chapter 13, Business in the City. And this is where Moraine and Swan are going garment shopping. Tamor, the seamstress, gets pissed off because Swan is haggling for the prices. (laughs) And there's just so many little details to kind of look at. Tamor, the seamstress, is Damani. Mm -hmm. And we know what the Damani women like to wear. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit clinging to the skin. Just a little. Yeah. Just a little. And this paragraph is, Tamor knew what the fringe on their shawls meant in the shades of blue predominant predominated <laughs> listen to us talk i want decent dresses mind swan said high necks nothing too snug that with a pointed look to tamora's garment so she's kind of casting shade on the seamstress I explaining this explaining kind of that her style of outfit is not appropriate And Moraine is kind of trying to calm things down. And we read this quote at the beginning of the episode. Yep. And we also, if you go a little bit further, Moraine says that she wants a Kyrian and cut, of course. And she's talking to the seamstress and the seamstress is saying that'll suit you very well. But that hue is lovely against your pale skin. Half of your dresses must be light colored and embroidered. You require elegance, not plainness. And I think it's interesting because Moraine kind of has this pushback. Mm -hmm. But I do see her dressing in a plain style because Mm -hmm. when she gets these garments made, she doesn't want all the slashes Mm -hmm. that would show Show her her rank rank from the Mm -hmm. house Domadred. Mm -hmm. But we get an idea of kind of what she likes. So she's kind of pushing against the embroidery. She doesn't want the light blue silks. She wants something kind of simple, yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stately. Yes, absolutely. And the thing that I think is important Mm -hmm. in that section is her making that statement that she could never wear house dried colors inside the White Tower. Jordan does a really good job of using clothing to show rank. And in particular, in Kyrian, you basically wear your rank in your clothes. So mm-hmm. however many stripes you have in your outfit indicates the rank of your house. And yeah, she slashes. Is, exactly. She's choosing not to have that represented in her wardrobe as an Aes Sedai sister, even though mm-hmm. she could. And so I think that's just another example of how in the book Robert Jordan uses clothing to say this is my rank. Because later on when you meet certain nobles and he says something like, the slashes went below their knees, you know that person's way up there as far as rank is concerned. So, well done, Robert Jordan. I love your use of clothing for power. I love these shoulder things. What is that? I, I'm i just going to throw out a guess here because she's Kyrianen. Their whole city is planned out symmetrically, They like order. They are very, I kind of want to say prudish, 
that might not be the right restrained absolutely and i kind of see this in her clothing yes there's a symmetry to everything and in a sense it is kind of plain mm-hmm. but i feel like okay this is what would be a style in Kyrian. it's not too flashy Mm-mm. i i i want that outfit this one the balloon pants <laughs> no the one where she's on the horse there's so much about it that i like i like the coat and i she's wearing pants though She's not wearing a divided riding skirt. Not until this photo here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about this? Because I know you were wanting to get into the divided riding pants. Yeah, because I'm a big nerd. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so I went ahead and did a little bit of research into divided riding skirts. And it turns out that this really didn't become a thing in women's wardrobes in the Western world. I should put that. This isn't global. This is just historically (laughs) Western women. But they didn't get divided riding skirts until the 19th century, so the 1800s, and the late 1800s at that. And it wasn't horses. It was bicycles that brought women together to make a change. I love this postcard. This is actually from, like, a town very close to where I live, where Amber is from. So it was really fun to find this. I found an article written by a woman about this style of clothing that developed because of bicycles. And so you had women who created almost these bloomers that are kind of like balloonish in shape. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. Oh, I love this one too. Do you want to explain a little bit what they look like for people that can't? Absolutely. So the idea was to still keep a feminine silhouette. So the top is very much what you would kind of expect from a Victorian woman, like high neck, slightly puffy sleeves, Mm -hmm. and a very slender waist because you're still wearing a corset. But where you would normally have a a voluminous, 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 (laughs) anyway you would have this large skirt around you these women have kind of created i want to say skorts is that still a word yeah it is they're kind of tight around the leg but it Mm -hmm. balloons out so if you were standing with your legs together it would still look like a skirt yeah, like you're wearing a, and shorter. These are about knee length. Like they don't mm-hmm. go to the floor like most Victorian period dresses would, which is what's different about what Moraine is wearing. And actually, this particular style that she's wearing, if I'm not mistaken, this developed more for horse riding. So the outfit for this is called astridicide and you can get patterns for it for free if you want on the internet i have links (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that has kind of bent my brain a little around divided skirts for riding and robert jordan is this there is a slight connection between divided riding skirts and women's suffrage especially in the late 19th century in the UK and in the United States. And so the idea of giving women divided riding skirts also gives them their independence in a way that having just a regular skirt kind of takes away. So before Mm -hmm. you had a dividing riding skirt, women 
either didn't ride at all or they rode side saddle. And I'm sorry, I've seen Ouch. videos. Ouch. I know, right? <laughs> it wasn't until the 19th century that they actually finally invented a saddle for side saddle riding. That's a long Ow. ass time, right? So mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't know if this is Jordan's way of giving women their independence while still keeping them in a feminine mm -hmm. silhouette. Like, I feel it's important. I love those divided riding skirts, but it's really like we American. We do see when she's actually riding the mm -hmm. horse, though, she's wearing pants, not yeah. divided riding skirts. So I think it's really interesting that we get the shot of her kind of looking over Tarvalin in these ballooned riding pants, and they're a bit sodden. They look dirty. It looks like she's been yeah. traveling. Yeah. And we have this other photo of her riding the horse, but she's got pants on. So yeah. maybe she has many options for horseback riding. So this is something that I found that I thought was really fun. Uh, there's a project going on called Bikes and Bloomers. And what these women have done is found patents filed mm -hmm. by women on how to make bike riding more feminine. And okay. they have like things like convertible skirts. So you have like a string in the front of your skirt that you pull up in the front and in the back. And then it gives you like this nice hip silhouette, but you have these wide bloomers underneath it. And so it also has like, like the bloomers have the thing inside it that make it kind of puff out. And that's what it looks like Maureen is wearing. Like if mm -hmm. she's wearing that and it's that puffy, she's got something else on the inside of that yeah, too. Like I just can't even imagine the layers. Yeah, mm -hmm. like this is, I love this. I can see what this must look like when she's on horseback I, wearing I want this. this whole outfit. I'm not going to lie. I don't right? know what I would ever wear it to, but I want it. I need um, it. Recordings? You just wear it <laughs> yeah. to recordings from now on. Right, I thought that right. was obvious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I love this. So there is a really interesting history of divided riding skirts, but they don't really become a thing in Western culture until the 19th century. And that's just not that far away, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Is, is it women's independence or is it? We I See, I... This is a good question because we don't, we've got what Robert Jordan wrote in the books. We mm -hmm. now get to see how it's been interpreted and what other designers are coming up with and how they can make Robert Jordan's world a little bit more accessible in the TV show. Absolutely. Because honestly, if you're an actress, you don't want to be wearing something very uncomfortable every season right over and in, over again getting put in dresses and mm -hmm. we've seen pants yes. so it's interesting because there are characters who wear pants in the series uh -huh. and this is a big part of their personality and who they are yep so if this is kind of a common thing i'm interested to see how the tv show is going to make their characteristics stand yep. out when pants aren't something that define them Yes. Yeah. Good we, point. We've got a lot to look forward to. I'm so excited. I feel as though there's this really nice touch of contemporary design mixed with medieval design. I do mm -hmm. like, as you said, that we see characters in breeches, pants, mm -hmm. with like long coats over it. It just makes so much more sense for what you would be doing. Like, this is Maureen's daily travel outfit. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just going to hop on Aldeeb and go for a ride. This makes sense. If she's traveling to Emmons Field and on her horse for weeks, the other outfit 
makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that they didn't restrict the outfits, that they made them Mm -hmm. for the moment for the character for what needed to unfold. Cheers. Well done, Isis Musendin. So, so are we spoiler. doing spoilers? Spoilers. Um, Welcome to s- the spoiler section. Yeah, if you're not finished with the books, back out now. Turn or around. if you like to live on the edge and you don't care about spoilers, then I guess stay. Yeah. Do whatever you would like. But this yes. is your warning. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be jerks and spoil things for people. We did ask some of our Discord people what they thought. And one of the responses we got is, I'm not a super huge fan of the dress color equals Aja. I do enjoy how they're all different styles, though. The rings, a bit chunky for my taste. Love the layout of the hall. Just gorgeous architecture. And that was Lord Zupka. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Indeed. And we got one from Shelbo Baggins. I love her Discord name. Totally. (laughs) Totally. I don't not like it. I'm definitely coming around to it. Reading it, there were some Aes Sedai that I did always imagine wearing their Aja colors, so it's not unreasonable for them to be doing it on the show. LOL. And I think that's a really good point, because in Mm -hmm. the books, it is a thing. I like that they did that. I like the Ajas matching the colors. To me, it's what... I saw going into the books. The thing that I don't like about it is that in the books, very frequently, it's a red dress slashed with gray or a cream dress with red highlights or something Mm -hmm. like that. There's a larger variety of colors mixed with colors than what we see here in the tower. Like, this feels as though they all went to the same place. And got yeah, like very matching. similar. Yeah, like almost all of the hues are are very close to each other. Like there's just a bit of variety in the range of the colors. And I mean the reds, when you see them all together, they just look they look so uniform. And that's yeah. what I wasn't expecting. Like I was just expecting more variety. Yeah, it does look like a uniform. Yeah, it's very color blocked. And that mm-hmm. feels kind of weird to me. Like, I was just expecting more layers of colors, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've seen the comparison to Hogwarts houses. Like, <laughs> I'm a blue, I'm a red. And yeah. that is kind of how it works in the Wheel of Time, and they did Great. it first, so yeah. can't be mad about it. Mm-mm. It can give you kind of a comical image yes. when they're all color-coded like that. Yeah. So I think depending on how we see it play out, maybe they're not wearing this for day-to-day stuff. So who That's knows? True. That's true. I'm not, I'm not uh, mad or excited about either. I'm kind of neutral. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. Snakes and Foxes said, let's give a crazy theory. Some of the people seem dressed in black. Are they black Aja? Hmm. 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 Mm. We will see. Maybe. I am sorry, sorry. It's okay. Uh, I... Are they unleashing the Black Aja in the series? Do we know? I feel like they have to. I mean, we know about the Black Black Aja as early as the Great Hunt, I want to say. Yes. Yes. So, or is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the so, Great Hunt. 
Yeah, so I mean, I feel like maybe. And I mean, we'll Lyandrin is a. From- yeah, Lyandrin is a huge part of what happens mm-hmm. in the Great Hunt, and we know. We know she's not really a red Aja. Right, right. And something that, okay, so I'm kind of changing the topic here. But when I was looking at all of these photos of all of these women, I've got so many kind of regal vibes from Swan Sanche. I've got many religious vibes from these outfits and mm-hmm. military vibes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of do something fun. And I asked my brother, who has never read the books, I'm not sure if he's even watched the trailer, (laughs) and I gave him these stills of Mm -hmm. the Hall of the Tower, and I zoomed in on a couple of the outfits, and I said, Travis, looking at these women, what would you say is their jobs? What would you say about what the significance of yeah like based on their costumes what's their purpose and I didn't expect this response but he I'm telling you this is amazing what he wrote me I'm So, so excited yeah he said it looks like a large council of leaders in a group in the center is either seeking counsel or being passed judgment upon them dot 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 well, it does look like re- it does not look religious in the sense that there is no decorative dress or gowns. Everything is simple, which shows that they are not leaders that care about gold or wealth in the physical sense, more about moral justice, self-serve in nature, like they're just there to serve the people. Or even though they're in charge, they view themselves as leaders that live as the people do. And I'm screaming inside because I'm like, wow. 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 (laughs) This is the complete opposite of what I think of the whole White Tower. But the way that they're introducing it does give you that sense. Some of these women look covered up. They look kind of humbled in Uh a sense. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to give us this early vibe of them being servants of all like they were in the age of legends maybe they're going to kind of hype that up and make the ajas like we're the good guys and that's what we saw in the trailer more moraine says we protect the world Mm -hmm. and my brother goes on so he he thought about this and kept coming back and kind of like seesawing on Mm -hmm. his ideas and he said It does look like the groups of the colors signify different areas of expertise, maybe farming, maybe academics, maybe (laughs) knowledge or wisdom. Not really sure. They could also show as different tribes or groups in a larger nation or even not a nation, but a continent and different leaders of different areas, possibly different schools of thought or more or less of a diplomatic council where each of the colors represent different nations or ideals. And I just think that it's so funny, all of these thoughts, because he didn't even stop there. He kept going. What? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So he came back many hours later while I was asleep and he's like, okay, I looked at it more in depth. (laughs) It looks like there's doves or something in the stonework. Is that symbolizing peace? And I think he's talking about the teardrop Aja Flame of Tarvalin. Yeah. 
He said also on the throne or altar in the front view, the top pieces of the stonework have seven points on it. There are also seven groups shown here. To me, that shows that they have been seven groups controlling or in power for quite some time. So he picked up on the Amerlin's chair. There are actually seven points. He also said, is there a young boy in that picture? And you can tell that he is male by the shorter garb that is worn, like men who wear kilts. So they would be able to move easier in them for manual labor. Also, it looks like he is the youngest in the room. And I'm pretty sure this is just a woman who is smaller with short hair. There are no spectators, which makes me think this is an important meeting. But for some reason, my headset isn't working and I can't send you this in audio. <laughs> so oh we've got... My gosh. We've got so many theories from someone who's never read the books just looking at these Aja photos. Could you make sure that we have the text for that? I'd love to do a slide of it because damn. Mm -hmm. Damn. Tell your brother I said thank you. (laughs) Wow. Tell him to listen. I would, I would have, like, if I would have sent that to my brother, my brother would have been like, that was real cool. I sent it to my sister to have her son look at it. And he was like, they look like they look like royalty. And I'm like, anything else? No, no, that's all I've got. It's cool. But, but I think different people are going to see different things. So yeah. depending on how imaginative you are when you watch this trailer, if you really look at it, you could formulate all different types of theories and I just think it's so funny that he came to a completely separate conclusion of something that I feel like deep within that the White Tower is kind of a mess yeah yeah and he sees it as they're probably like doing good and they look humbled maybe and you know it's it's fun that that's the interpretation that he gets because I think that that's the interpretation we're supposed to get early on mm-hmm. in the series with the Aes Sedai. Like, Absolutely. And so I, that's just <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. It's going to be so interesting watching new viewers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of in this, I did this myself. I emulated the White Tower. I was like, oh, they're so amazing. They're so interesting. They're so powerful. I want to be an Aes Sedai. I want to be an Aes Sedai. But then when you start looking at the chips and the facade and all the other things that are going on, you can really pull back away from that and look yep. and be like, wow, yep. that's completely different as how I saw it. Yeah. There's like serious opportunities for rifts inside the White Tower. And that's something that I think, in some ways, I feel like you can see that unfold even in that image. I think your brother picked up on that, that like there is an opportunity here for potential divides. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we know. We know. We know the what's coming. The tower is just yeah. full of divides. It's, and it it's is a toxic kind of this- place. It's this chicken and the egg question. Like, Mm. what came first? Was it the Black Aja chipping away at everything? Or was there already a little bit of a divide that made the Black Aja work easier within the restraints of the tower and the common day-to-day practices of the tower and the separations? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. I love it. Was there anything spoilery that you wanted to add? Because I think you would, I know I brought up 
the pants thing and yeah. when we have characters like Brigitte or Min, mm-hmm. they turn heads because they wear pants. Yeah, yeah, So exactly. I'm curious to see how are they going to be portrayed. So perhaps a different coat style, maybe? I, like, I I'm trying to think. Of, like, or are you thinking maybe like a different cut where it's not yes. a feminine cut? Yes. So, like the the the, the way that we're are more masculine, maybe, and the co- coat is maybe shorter, because what we're seeing with these women are if they're wearing breeches, they're still wearing something knee length, mostly yeah. over it, mm-hmm. and with like high boots as well. So perhaps men or Brigida, because Brigida wears the the big wide pants that tuck in at the ankles like they come in and then she wears short boots so that still is a different silhouette than what we're seeing for the women in the tower in the trailer so i think there's still opportunity to mark them Mm -hmm. out maybe the colors they choose to wear maybe min isn't isn't quite so boyish in this first I think she's going to be. Is she? I think she's going to have shorter hair because I've seen recent photos of her with shorter hair unless they give her a wig. A wig. But maybe it'll be like kind of short tomboy hairstyle, more androgynous cut of the clothing. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. With Brigida, she definitely has long hair, so I'm just... I don't know. I don't know about Brigida, what they're going to come up with. Her braid is very intricate, so mm-hmm. perhaps her hairstyle will be something that like, pulls her character out. Or maybe because she comes from a different time and many different times and many different mm. places, maybe her style is going to be kind of all over the place, like Ooh, taking that would inspiration be really fun. from all of these lives that she's lived. I love that. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely room for those things to be done, but it is a really good point and it's it's fair to ask that question because they are defining characteristics mm-hmm. for various. I mean, the Aiel women too. Like Exactly. Their outfits make sense for them because mm-hmm. they're they're warriors and I'm sure their outfits are going to be different from what we're seeing represented in Mm -hmm. the White Tower, which I think is going to be really fun. I'm excited to see what other nations... I'm dying to see the Sea Folk. I am dying to see them. I hope they don't get cut just because I want to see the outfits. Yep. They just sound awesome. And then the Shan Chen, the Ogier Gardeners, their structured, almost bug-like armor is so cool i can't wait to see it i can't wait to see how they show up Mm -hmm. like it's got to be epic i feel Mm -hmm. like it can't just be like them hanging out somewhere talking about something like i want to see battlefield armor yes ogier gardeners like i want that and i I think it's a possibility i I agree that it's something that we get yeah i feel like if they can accomplish loyal they'll yeah. be able to, like, get that part, too. 
And I right, like that. Right, because with the Death Watch guard, they've got helmets on. So that's way less physical prosthetic makeup that they would mm. have to apply. Yeah, that's true. And then we don't know if the Ogier are going to be very hairy. Like, mm-hmm. we we don't know what's coming. So it'll be interesting. If they're fully armored, how are you going to tell it's an Ogier? Just yeah. by zooming in on the face or having them take off the helmet, which is a common problem in film when you are paying actors, you want to see their face. That's so true. So they don't always have a lot of helmet time. Yeah. <laughs> helmet time. Yeah. <laughs> you but will take the, your helmet time. Yeah. I like but, it. But with the Death Watch Guard, this is something that I want. Like, I want to see this army amassed and it look like aliens from another land kind of like showing up and just looking ferocious. Yes. I, and, you know, I love that that's how they come across because we see and know loyal from the very yes. beginning and yes. he's just this sweet Book kind loving. of hesitant yeah exactly mm-hmm. cat cat adoring ogier mm-hmm. you know he's just he's delightful he's sweet you can't really see him getting angry and then you when you when you do oh my god that scene is that in a memory of light when yes. the ogier are fighting they're singing and slaughtering Whoa. <laughs> that's all I've got for that. Damn. When I read, I believe it comes from Elaine's point of view, when I read her thoughts mm-hmm. of what she's seeing on the battlefield, like through her eyes, she's explaining the Ogier warriors just basically like using like tree, almost tree branch size weapons and just smashing the trollocs and yep. singing while they're doing it. I don't know. There's something about the thought of like someone singing while they're killing evil creatures, but in an uplifting way. Yeah. It's kind of like a jolt to your system. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like the Aiel men, when they sing, mm-hmm. when they're about to wash the spears. Wash the spears. Yes. Yeah. Like those moments when you include song or vocalizations mm-hmm. that everyone joins in together, it feels like it lends its own sense of power to yes. what's happening. Like you feel connected to each other as well as to the battle. This is the same reason that they would have drummers on the battlefield yes. and someone to like keep step and kind yep. of keep formation. So mm-hmm. it, it's cool to see the Ogier in a different light. Totally. I love it. It's cool to see the Ogier Gardeners because, mm-hmm. like you said, when we're just introduced to Loyal and then you see that there is another species, that they're kind and book-loving, and then another group of the Ogier show up and you're just like, what is going on? Right. It's incredible. It. Yeah, it's such a good flip. Like, there are so many places in the book where you get flips like that and it's like, oh, well, There's, I didn't see that yeah. coming. Well, he kind of gave us the balance where, like, one is gentle, the other one is fearsome, and then flips it. And it's like, but. 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 <laughs> exactly. I love it so much. Yeah. We are at an hour and 30. Was there anything Ooh, okay. that you wanted to bring up before we? Let me check. I don't. 
I don't think so. No notes today. Oh I, I I did, but I used all of them already. <laughs> <laughs> like most okay. of my stuff was like geared more towards the front, unfortunately. I just one of the things that I just really appreciate about the trailer and the connection with Robert Jordan throughout the series is just power expressed through clothing and recognition expressed through clothing like how many descriptions do we get of dresses so in this book many so many like when the show comes out we'll have to do a part two because there's going to be so much more to look at we've okay. only seen just a, a glimpse <laughs> and dr deborah bauer gave me contact information for a friend of hers who is a fashion historian and teaches Perfect. at UC Berkeley, I believe. Perfect. Well, then we can send them clips of the show and have right. them analyze. I, yes. I think I think she'll be fun to bring on. I mean, depending, I haven't met her, mm -hmm. but knowing Deborah, I'm sure... I'm sure she's delightful. So something to look forward to. Like that's one of the things that we'll be working on. I think probably post the show is bringing on 101s with experts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We with just got to get into the new hunt or the great hunt. The great hunt. <laughs> the, the new hunt. It could be very new depending mm -hmm. on what, what we look at. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I don't really have anything more to add. The trailer was gorgeous. We had a great time, mm -hmm. like being in chat with everyone, and I'm really glad that we were able to like take a different romp through the trailer than I think we've seen so far. Hopefully, yeah. like that's always our goal, like do something a little different. So. Yeah, and to our patrons who are listening, if you guys have ideas, maybe something that you want us to cover. Yep. Let us know. Tell us Please. in Discord. Send Please. us an email. Yeah. Leave us a voice message. <laughs> we haven't had one of those in forever. We haven't. So, yeah. Although, for starting the Great Hunt next week. Mm hmm Okay. I believe we'll Unless have we our... get another trailer. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows what will happen? But if everything works out and we start the Great Hunt next week, we will have our opening quote from snakes and foxes Ooh, awesome the prologue to yep. the great hunt the, the i'm shadow so excited for this me too yes i think it's gonna mm -hmm. be so fun yeah thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the wheel of time community let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed you can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.